Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York Airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is another edition of Fizz Radio. Jonathan Hoppy with you. I've got you for the next hour. We do this each and every week live on the Score 1260 in Syracuse. You can always go back and find us as well. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, just search Orange Fizz. We've got a jam-packed show. Why? First week of fall camp is underway. Exactly one week has been done with Syracuse football in terms of fall camp, and there's already a lot to talk about. Not to mention that first game against Liberty, it's sneaking up faster than you think. Coming up August 31st, so in our next segment, we've got Damian Sordelet, the Lynchburg News in Advance. We'll pick his brain about the Liberty Flames, where they stand, what the fans are thinking, and really, does anyone think they can beat Syracuse? That's what I want to know. Is Syracuse getting the respect at this point as a top 25 opponent, at least in the coaches' poll? All odds say they'll be top 25 in the AP poll as well, but that's to come out later. And let's start with a quick update of what we've seen from the preseason camp thus far. Mainly has been good. I have not been out there. I know people who have been out there, and I've been following it just as close as you probably have. So I just want to talk about some of the main topics. A lot of these stuff we covered at ACC kickoff in Charlotte. Some of it maybe we didn't. The main issue with this team could be the offensive line. Dino Baber said it himself. He said it's the key to the season. So every time something happens, every time there's an update on this team, I hope it's about the offensive line because I want to know what the front five is going to look like. Frankly, nobody knows. Aaron Service and Sam Heckel were asked in the preseason, and they said they really had no idea as well. That was a couple of weeks ago, a day or two after the ACC kickoff, but now we're getting closer to finding out because we're seeing these rotations out on the field. And I know this isn't the sexiest thing to talk about. Maybe you want to talk about Tommy DeVito in finding targets. Tristan Jackson has looked good. Courtney Jackson seems to be rising up the depth chart. We'll get to that in a moment. But we've got to start here because without an offensive line, this Syracuse O is going to struggle. The great saying, no position sabotages another like the offensive line. Just ask Willie Taggart in Florida State. Probably the worst offensive line in the ACC, and they paid the price. They were horrible last year. DeAndre Francois never stood a chance. He's out of there. James Blackman, Alex Hornibrook, they maybe try to get something done, but you'd hate to see that with Syracuse, and it won't happen. I I can go ahead and tell you, it won't be that bad. But what we need to talk about is what it's going to look like. Right off the bat, Earlier in the week, keep in mind, we do record this podcast on Thursday. Sam Heckel is out with an undisclosed injury. So we don't want to speculate long-term, short-term. We don't want to speculate. That's not what we're here for. But if he's out, that could be a problem for this Syracuse offensive line. If you're wondering who Sam Heckel is, last year he was the sixth guy, the sixth starter. That's kind of what the team referred to him as because he was in there frequently. Somebody would go down, he can play guard, he can play center. This year, he's projected 
at least many thought, to play center and be the starter. But then Aaron Service in the preseason depth chart listed back at center instead of right tackle, where he has been practicing in camp. So I know it's confusing, right? They say one thing on the depth chart, and then Service goes back out to right tackle, and then Sam Heckle plays center. Well, now that Heckle's down, Service has moved back to center. So that's one of the biggest question marks. Where are these guys going to find themselves? The biggest injuries in camp up to this moment at the time we are recording this, Sam Heckle and Ed Hendricks. Ed Hendricks, it's a lower body injury. We hope Hendricks, it's a speedy recovery. This is a guy who has been riddled with injury in the past couple of years. A lot of hype around him and potentially what he can do. Pretty big time recruit. A wide receiver, he's got some size on him, and someone that maybe Tommy DeVito would have liked to throw to this year. He still might get the chance, but right now it's not looking good. He's out indefinitely. We have no further update on that. So speedy recovery to Ed Hendricks, whatever the situation may be. Sam Heckle, it does not appear to be as long-term as Hendricks, but it's still a problem. So we talk about this offensive line. Carlos Federello, he's also listed as the backup center to Aaron Service on this depth chart. Well, Service went back to center, so you've got Anthony Red, Ryan Alexander. Those are the guys that need to step up. So really, the reason we're talking about this is my biggest takeaway from camp thus far is that the offensive line is still not solved. And, of course, the offensive line isn't solved because it's the biggest question mark of the season. So it's going to take some time, but... An injury of any sort is not a good sign this early in camp. And that's another thing I want to touch on. When we talked to Dino Babers, he said, really, last year the injuries hit us at places we could take them. Two years two years ago, three years ago, that was not the case. Sometimes that can make or break your season. So while the expectations are really high, I'm someone that projects Syracuse to win 10 games. Yeah, think about that. 10 games in the regular season with a loss to Clemson and Florida State on the schedule. That's a high bar to hit. Expectations are rising. And if Syracuse is not healthy, it's really going to be tough to meet those expectations. And of course, there's not much they can do about it. They're training as hard as they can, and they're working as hard as they can right now. But keep in mind, your old friend injury could play a big role in this season Of course, we hope everyone stays healthy and everyone performs to their maximum potential. So that's what's going on in camp at offensive line. Another thing we're seeing, Mo Neal, he's really been the feature back. I know that's not much of a surprise, but I think a lot of people thought Abdul Adams, as a redshirt junior transfer from Oklahoma, would come in and take a lot of the carries from Neal. Up until this point, doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Mo Neal has been featured a lot in the team's program La Familia. If you haven't seen it, highly suggest it. Go on to YouTube, Syracuse Orange, and the Athletics YouTube page has a program La Familia. It's basically hard knocks, but with Syracuse football. Now, you don't get quite as much insight as watching hard knocks. I would say, really, not a ton of insight, but it is cool to see how these guys operate. Three episodes in, we still haven't heard from Dino Babers. And I think a lot of people are wanting that. But, you know, it's time for camp, and this isn't hard knocks, so you're not going to get John Gruden in there cutting a player like I'm sure we're going to get on HBO later in the season. 
but you are going to see a lot of different things. And Mo Neal is one of the guys that has really taken the camera and really run with it. And Mo Neal has showed off his personality. A couple of other guys I noticed. Evan Adams, right guard for Syracuse. Dude's just swaggy, and he showed that off. Evan Adams, he's the only lineman with low-top shoes, if you want to look for that. Best cleats in college football. Trill Williams says that's him. So a lot of little fun nuggets with this La Familia series, and it's pretty good timing as training camp starts to ramp up, and there's a lot of different things that we want to look at. And at wide receiver, man, Tristan Jackson, all reports, he's looked really good. That's an interesting storyline, certainly. I've been quoted of saying Taj Harris is the main guy to watch for this year. But you know what? Tristan Jackson might have other ideas. I mean, he's big. 6'1", 191. He could be DeVito's favorite target. Courtney Jackson, another Jackson. Actually, funny, Courtney Jackson's 85. Tristan is 86. So there you have it. But Courtney's a bit smaller at 5'10", 171. A bit more of a speed guy. He's made a big impact as well. He's had some nice catches in the open period of practice that have been out there on Twitter. He's a guy that could step up. I mean, there's a lot to like about this offense. The question is, can the offensive line protect DeVito, give him time to find all these weapons? You're deep at running back. Always feel like you're going to be deep at receiver. And Tommy DeVito... He's really been working on throwing. He says he's tried to slow it down a bit and not throw it 100 miles an hour every time. He's had a full offseason to work with the targets. Things seem good right now. So all reports offensively seem pretty strong. Defensively as well, this unit it looks really strong. And Dino Babers says it. It's the best unit on the team. And you throw in a couple of guys and you never know what could happen. Antoine Cordy doesn't have a role on the defense right now, but he's someone that could step in at the midseason point with all his experience. He's someone that, God forbid there'd be a major injury, Antoine Cordy could come in and, and give you some minutes. And he's not the best player in the secondary. He's not the best nickel around, but he certainly knows the system. I'd say that's not a bad weapon to have. Back for his sixth season with the program, Cordy is someone to keep an eye on. So there's a lot to like about this team, and the first couple of weeks of camp really support that. Dino Babers went out to California, his mother's 80th birthday, always misses it. I'm sure you've heard the story. I think that speaks to this team. It just feels like this group is all in together. They are a family. Ohana, as Coach Babers says, La Familia. It feels like this team is ready for a big season. They know the expectations are higher. Because let's face it, past two years, there have been little to no expectations. Now they come in after a 10-win season when you count the bowl game, and you've got Clemson week three. If they make it through the first two games unscathed and a big injury for a Maryland wide receiver, one of their returning guys. So not good news for the Terps. Liberty, there's a lot of question marks about them. Coming up very shortly, we've got Damian Sordelet of the Lynchburg News in advance to really break down the flames. This team looks good right now. That's about all you can say. I mean, I try not to buy into the hype too much, but when you look down on paper, this looks like a good football team. Jonathan Hoppy with you here on Fizz Radio. 
We're coming up on our first break. When we come back, we'll get into Liberty. I want to start talking about the season in this show because it's basically here. Three weeks until this first game, there's a lot to like. I want to start talking about the first half of the season. We'll kick it off with Liberty, and then after we talk with Damian Sordolet, we'll dive into the first few weeks. What are the expectations for this team? What do they need to accomplish? How are they going to get there? All that's coming up next. It's the Score 1260 Fizz Radio. Thanks for joining us. Back on Fizz Radio, Jonathan Hoppy with you. Thanks so much for sticking with us. A lot to talk about this week. Syracuse football fall camp is underway, and we get closer and closer to that first game of the season. August 31st at Liberty, that's when Syracuse starts it out. We've got Damian Sordolet here of the Lynchburg News in advance. Damian, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Jonathan, I appreciate you guys having me on. What do you think this team is going to look like under Hugh Freeze in his first season? It will probably look similar to the first years when he was at the other programs. Um, if you look back at Arkansas State, the one year he was there uh, when they just tore through the Sun Belt, and then the first year at Ole Miss when they went 7-6, and six, um, I'm thinking it's going to be more toward that first year at Ole Miss where there will be some growing pain, especially with the offense and the type of schedule that Liberty's playing this year. You're getting a top 25 Syracuse team that's going to have arguably one of the best defenses in the nation with all those returning players. And then you go to Louisiana after that. You have a pretty good team in Buffalo. And then you do mix in Rutgers and then BYU and then you know, Virginia in the penultimate week of the season. So you're going to face some ups and downs, especially with the up-tempo RPO-based offense that he wants to run. So there will be some growing pains. Uh, but I think you will see that team improve uh, drastically just based on the way he has recruited. Uh, he was able to sign more three- and four-star players in just this past recruiting cycle than Turner Gill did in his first seven years at Liberty. Wow. Um, so he's been able to bring in the talent. And the four-star kid he signed, he flipped from Maryland, uh, Tavion Land. Um, and he's the first four-star signee that Liberty has brought in. And Land is expected to play as a true freshman. He's already crept up the depth chart. And, you know, even Wednesday morning, he was getting reps with the second-string defense. So he's been able to bring in not only on offense, but really the defensive players. I think defense will be the biggest improvement. Um, last year, Liberty ranked 116th in the nation in rushing defense, and that was really an Achilles heel because people were able to run the ball, and then because Liberty then had to load the box, you know, they gave up a lot of passing yards. Um, Andy Isabella, who's now in the NFL, um, he had nearly 300 receiving yards himself in a game Liberty lost in triple overtime. Um, you know, up there in Amherst, Massachusetts late last year. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how well and how quickly the team picks up everything, both on offense and defense. But I expect the team to show improvement um, over the year, unlike last year when you know you thought you saw improvement and then there was some digression at certain points during the year. So I'm, I'm expecting this team to improve. May not show in like the first couple of weeks because Syracuse and Louisiana are both really good opponents. Uh, but after that, I think you'll see some you know, gradual gains as the season goes on. So if you know anything about Syracuse football in terms of the fans in the offseason, 
fans are fired up about the potential after a nine-win regular season, add on the win in the Camping World Bowl. People are really excited. So I want to ask you, what's the mood around Liberty football like? I know you got the renovated Williams Stadium down there, first full year in the FBS. Hugh Freeze, the coach, he just got a transfer quarterback. What's the vibe around the fans? Uh, they're they're jacked up as well. Um, there's been a lot of excitement since his hiring, uh, just because the reputation that he has for being an innovative offensive genius and the points that are able to be put up on the board, and you know that's what sells tickets these days in a day and age where you have so many options of watching games remotely um, and a way to save money by being able to stay home and sit on your couch and go to your fridge, you know, you want to be there in person to watch this offense operate. And, you know, from what I've been told, ticket sales are improving for Liberty. Uh, I've read on the message boards, a lot of Syracuse fans are actually talking about going to the game. I even read one guy uh, was mentioning on a Liberty board that he's already bought 65 tickets uh, for the game for him and, you know, a big group of his friends to make the trek down to Lynchburg to watch it. Uh, so there's a lot of excitement for this one. Um, they're probably anticipating a record crowd. Uh, right now it seats 25,000. I'm expecting Williams Stadium to have a little bit more than that. and They'll probably have to utilize the berm in the south end zone for the first time to have people be able to sit and watch the game. Um, so there's really a lot of excitement around this one, especially with Syracuse being the first Power 5 opponent uh, to visit Williams Stadium. And Syracuse already you know, ranked 22nd in the coaches' poll, expecting them to be ranked in the top 25 of the AP poll. And Syracuse would be the first top 25 team at the FBS level to play at Liberty. So you mix all that together, and it's a big get for Liberty to have a team like Syracuse coming off a 9-1 season be at Williams Stadium to open a season. So what's the expectations from the fans for week one? Do they think maybe a shot to knock off Syracuse? Is that kind of a long shot? How do you think they view the Orange? Well, they view the Orange as very competitive, and you know the spreads from Vegas suggest that. Um, right now the consensus are 17.5-point favorite for Syracuse. I think for Liberty fans, you want to be competitive. And, uh, you know, you go back about five years ago, Liberty was at North Carolina. North Carolina was ranked, and Liberty was leading in the third quarter and had you know the fan base buzzing, national media was taking attention, and then all of a sudden, turnover, UNC score, turnover, UNC score, turnover. UNC puts in another score, and all of a sudden, it goes to hell in a handbasket really quickly. I think for Liberty, you want to avoid those turnovers, but and you want to play competitively and, and take your shots when you can. I think that's what you're going to see out of this offense, especially with Buckshot Calvert entering his senior year. You know, he's got to reduce the turnovers. He had 18 interceptions last year after throwing just 15 in his first two years. So if they're able to limit the turnovers and they're smart and they're able to find the end zone when they get into the red zone, it's going to be a competitive game. I'm expecting Syracuse to win this one. Um, I'm expecting Syracuse to probably cover the spread as well. But uh, for Liberty, just be competitive. Um, into the second half, keep the fans around, and then you give yourself a chance. Talking with Damian Sordelet for the Lynchburg News in advance. He's the Liberty University Athletics beat writer, been there for about four years. And, Damian, I want to talk quarterbacks here. You've got Stephen Buckshot Calvert down there for the Flames as that returning guy you spoke of. But you've also got the Auburn transfer, Malik Willis, do you think he'll be cleared to play this year? And if he is, do you think he'll take over as the starter? 
it's a big if if Willis will be immediately eligible because he's transferred schools to get playing time. He was he's not moving closer to home. He's from Atlanta, Georgia. Auburn is within two hour drive of Atlanta, so he's moving further away from home. I don't think it's going to be cleared. I mean, who knows what could happen? Uh, we've seen some cases where you go, huh? It's not gonna, he's not going to get cleared, and he got cleared. And you see other cases where, oh, this guy should have no problem getting cleared, and all of a sudden, not cleared at all. So, um, I don't think he's going to be the starter because he just got into camp. Um, you know, maybe a few weeks before it started, so he still has a lot to catch up on with the offense. Uh, but I would see him get playing time. Um, the plan before he transferred in was to have true freshman Jonathan Bennett, who also is a dual-threat quarterback, get packages in games just to have defenses uh, need to plan for multiple looks. And if Willis is eligible, I see Liberty doing the same thing. You have Calvert as your starter. You have Willis come in and give a different look. Calvert is more of a true pocket passer. Um, he does not run much at all, and he has a really good arm. So if he's able to have a clean pocket and not have to run around, he's very lethal. Willis, on the other hand, is an exceptional runner, especially when he has to improvise. Um, and he also has a really good arm with accuracy as well. So you can see him go in there, and most teams knew he was going to run the ball at Auburn. Liberty might try to get him to throw the ball more because if you see him in, you might try to bring in – bring in one of your safeties, load the box, and then all of a sudden he throws it over the top to a weak side, and then all of a sudden Liberty's in business. So that could be an option that Liberty throws out there if he is eligible. If not, they'll go the same route with Bennett because he really had a phenom- he really had a great spring, especially with the spring game of being one of the, being the best quarterback on the field, and he's continued that here into the fall camp uh, with the way he's mastered the offense. It really is mature for a mid-year enrollee um, being able to pick up the offense so quickly. So I know we're still a few weeks away, but in two to three sentences, maybe a little bit more if you'd like, if Liberty is going to knock off Syracuse, you mentioned first top 25 team as we expect in the AP poll to come into Williams Stadium. you got to figure it's going to be a raucous crowd, but what on the field is going to happen in order for Liberty to upset Syracuse? Uh, Liberty cannot commit any turnovers whatsoever because that Syracuse defense is so good at creating pressure and uh, forcing turnovers that they could probably score some points if they get if they get turnovers. So you have to limit uh, the turnovers and try to make the game manageable. Uh, the second thing is establish the run. Uh, Frankie Hickson rushed for more than a thousand yards last year. Um, Peyton Pickett had a really good game against UVA, which had one of the better run defenses in the nation. And then Josh Mack was the FCS leading rusher when he was at Maine in 2017. So Liberty has a pretty good three-prong attack at running back. Being able to get that going and try to wear down that Syracuse front will be key. Um, And defensively, Liberty's got to make DeVito beat them with with his arm. Um, I know that's probably going to be easier said than done, because that's his strength. Um, you know, he's not like Dungy who can run around, improvise, and really excel when plays break down. So Liberty's going to have to try to keep DeVito in the pocket, maybe try to move him around and try to make sure that secondary is able to 
maintain coverage. Um, if you do those three things, you have a chance to beat Syracuse. Um, you know, Syracuse's depth is going to cause Liberty a lot of problems, but if you're able to do those three things, you give yourself a chance at the end of the day. Okay, Damian Sordolet, the Lynchburg News and Advance beat writer. He's been around this team all off season. He's there now for camp, and he'll be there August 31st when Syracuse visits Liberty. Damian, thanks so much. I appreciate it, Jonathan. Thank you for having me on. Thank you very much. Coming up on the other side, as we continue here on Fizz Radio, we'll go back to Syracuse football. Five players that need to do well, need to stay healthy and be productive for Syracuse to have another big season. That's coming up next on The Score 1260. Halfway home on Fizz Radio, Jonathan Hoppy back with you. Thanks for sticking with us. So glad you're joining us for another edition of Fizz Radio. Second show of August already as we approach the 2019 college football season. Gosh, I just can't wait. And even talking to Damian Sordolet, thanks to him once again for joining us. He was terrific. Gets me fired up about that first game against the Flames. Some of the biggest takeaways that I had from our conversation it really doesn't seem like Syracuse is in any danger in that game. That's kind of what I wanted to gauge from him, to figure out, okay, does Liberty think they can knock off a Syracuse Orange team? I didn't really get those vibes. I don't know about you, but it really, I mean, he said, what, 17-point spread and that he expects Syracuse to cover? I know what he means. He thinks it's going to be tight, as in it's not going to be a bloodbath. But at the same time, if you're covering a 17-point spread, you must be doing something right. I do think, though, that he's very optimistic, very optimistic, and I talked to him a little bit after we went to break, very optimistic about Hugh Freeze and what he can bring to this program. They got him when major schools like Alabama, Florida State, they wanted his services. Hugh Freeze is a brilliant coach. He's a great coach, and Hugh Freeze comes to Liberty because he wanted to be a head coach. He's put all his troubled past behind him, and he's back as a head coach after coaching Ole Miss. So I'm going to go ahead and chalk that Liberty game up as a win, and I think we can agree on that. If Syracuse loses to Liberty, disaster. Not a good situation at all, especially when you've got Maryland Week 2 who seems to be a bit more of a capable opponent. Now, I will tell you, I think people are blowing Maryland a little bit out of proportion in terms of what they can do. Let's keep in mind, Mike Loxley, first-year head coach at Maryland, in four seasons as a head coach, 3-31. and 31. That's right, 3-31. and 31. Sure, then he goes to Alabama, works his way up, as so many coaches do under Nick Saban, starts from the bottom, takes over as offensive coordinator, and won some national championships there. But I do think there's going to be a bit of a learning curve for Mike Loxley, and Syracuse has the edge. I get it. It's a trap game. Clemson's the next week. It's a built-in trap game. Maryland's the next best non-conference team that Syracuse plays. The best non-conference team. Western Michigan, Holy Cross, those teams aren't scaring you too much. But I do think 
I mean, let's face it. The Orange have so much momentum right now. For me, it would take a major injury or a major drop-off for them to lose one of those two games. Just don't see it happening. Josh Jackson, the quarterback at Maryland, struggled a bit at Virginia Tech, but I'm not sure what the Hokies are doing. If you've listened to the program before, not very high on them. Justin Fuente maybe got a little too much credit when he took over for Frank Beamer. So Jackson gets a start with Maryland. There's just a lot going on there. A transfer quarterback, there's a lot going on. I don't think it's as big of a threat as people think. And then Clemson comes to town. So hopefully for the community's sake, 2-0 Clemson, 2-0 Syracuse, college game day, Saturday night, 7.30, Tim Green ceremony, homecoming weekend, literally everything, and it would be great. For all that Coach Babers has done for this program, he deserves it. The community deserves it for sticking with this football team for 20 years, for buying back in and having hope. It would be outstanding. But, boy, I really think it's a long shot. To beat the Tigers, I think it's a real, real long shot. This team is loaded. Sure, they lose some defensive linemen. That's really the biggest question. Can their D-line dominate Alabama once again? That's what happened in the national championship game. Clemson's almost a lock to make it back there again. But think about what it would take for Syracuse to knock off Clemson. It would take a lot. It would take an injury. That's what they've got in the past two years. Kelly Bryant went down a couple of years ago. Last year, Trevor Lawrence goes down in his starting debut which is pretty wild to begin with. A lot of people forget that, but he went down on the sidelines after a pretty big hit, never came back in. Chase Bryce won the game. So we'll see. I mean, it really is going to take a lot for Syracuse to beat Clemson. But the first three weeks look pretty good. I like the first two weeks for the Orange. I think they match up well. Their road games, this team has a chance to come together And it bodes nicely, and it it puts a little fear in your eye before that Clemson game. Even though I think they'll win them, there's a lot that Babers can say. They've never seen Liberty's take. They've never seen Hugh Freeze as the coach there. They've never seen Mike Loxley as the head coach at the Terps. Sure, they'll see him from whatever they do in week one, but they're playing Howard. So I I don't think you're going to learn too much. Talked about it just before the break. Five guys that are really going to have to perform if Syracuse wants to do well this year. We're doing this series, orangefizz.net. Just because you're catching the podcast, I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer while you're taking the test. Because as you'll see, number one won't come out until next week. But I'm going to give you number one. We've already got posted Andre Sisco and Ryan Alexander. So basically the premise of this is which guys need to stay healthy and need to be the guy we think they can be if Syracuse wants to do well. And I know it sounds like there's a lot to it, but there's really not. SU is relying on these five guys more than anybody. And starting with Andre Sisco, he's the anchor of the defensive backfield. Preseason All-American, preseason All-ACC, seven interceptions. Ties the NCAA 
lead for interceptions last year. You maybe don't need seven, but you need him to continue to be a ball hawk because that's a big reason why people are so high on this SU defense. You heard Damian say, one of the top units in the country. That's how much respect he has, and he's on the outside looking in. He's not even listening to Babers every day. I took a step back after that one, but maybe that's the case. It's just hard to believe after... I guess I've really got to distance those two seasons before last year because the D was good last year. was good. Very good. And you got a lot of guys back. Seven starters return. You've heard it. They've got weapons. So to me, Andre Sisco, but he needs to be the guy that makes plays. He needs to be the guy everyone else in the conference knows about. Chris Frederick, he has the potential to be a lockdown corner. Ify Mellon Fonwu, Scoop Bradshaw, they're battling for that other cornerback spot, Nickel Trill Williams. A lot of hype as a recruit. Didn't see a ton of him last year. There's a lot to like. Evan Foster, he's a solid player in the backfield, but that's the point. All these guys are really solid. Andre Sisco is flashy. He's someone who's put on weight in the offseason. With that added weight, can he step up his physicality and also make all the athletic plays, so to speak? That's what we need to see. Andre Sisco needs to be the guy he was last year if Syracuse wants to go to the Orange Bowl. That's kind of the barometer I'm setting for this team. Orange Bowl or no Orange Bowl? They make the Orange Bowl. It was a damn good season. And they still could have a great season without going to the Orange Bowl, but that would mean they're the second best team in the ACC. Probably got to win nine or ten games. Doing that again would be phenomenal. To get that kind of repeated success. Number four, Ryan Alexander, left tackle. Can he step up and start there? At South Alabama, he was an all-conference guy. But guess what? This is the ACC. And so far in the preseason depth chart, we have not seen Alexander listed with the ones. That's something we're stressing a lot. Because if he can be listed as a one, if he's the left tackle... You can almost sort of check that box. Like Cody Conway, Cody Martin last year, they checked both the tackle boxes, and you could rest easy. The tackles are wide open. Vetterello, Anthony Red, a freshman, two freshmen. One's a redshirt, but still. Alexander needs to be the experienced guy to step up and anchor a tackle spot so service can possibly take the other one. Heckle. Goes in the inside. Evan Adams is everywhere. Then you look pretty solid. That looks solid. But the reason it maybe wouldn't is if Alexander's just not good enough. And I think he was advertised as good enough. And we all thought that he was the guy. Maybe he's just having to earn it. As a grad transfer, maybe Dino Babers is having to make him earn it. And he should. Everyone's got to earn every position. But, boy, they need him to be healthy and productive. Number three, Andrew Armstrong, linebacker. I list him because, to me, he's got the most upside of any linebacker. Made big plays last year. He's a senior. He's been in the system. Can he be like a Ryan Guthrie, Kylan Whitner type and play well? Because they need him to. You've got Pogba and Michael Jones, two freshmen, But Lakeem Williams, Andrew Armstrong, they've got to step up. And to me, Armstrong needs to lead the way and carry that linebacking position. 
Number two is Aaron Service. Won't spend too much time on him. Another offensive lineman. Whether he's at center or tackle, he needs to play well. Because it's not like the Orange have a smorgasbord of linemen that they can throw out in any position. Good thing about Service, he's flexible. He can play center. He can play tackle. But he needs to find his spot, and he needs to perform at a high level. Number one is Tommy DeVito. And it seems simple, but the whole point of this exercise, productivity and health. Gosh, this is a college football is a quarterback's game. Football at any level is a quarterback's game. And right now we think we've got a good one, Tommy DeVito. Four-star recruit. He's gotten a lot of love nationally. Looked solid last year when he played. He's got to stay healthy. Clayton Welch, David Summers, probably not ready to take over. They're just not. They're not Tommy DeVito. They're not a big recruit with as much arm talent and buzz as Tommy DeVito. He's got to stay healthy, and he's got to be productive. Not for Syracuse to have an okay season, but to be really good, to be Orange Bowl good, Pretty much. All right, come back with us. Wrapping up Fizz Radio coming up next. Boy, you can just smell football in the air. We're getting close to the season. We'll wrap up the show on the other side. It's Fizz Radio and the score 1260. Okay, full transparency here. Don't have a bunch of time. Man, that show really got away from me. Talking Syracuse, talking Liberty, talking a little bit of camp. Thanks for sticking around for the final segment. If you missed any part of the show, make sure to check us out on SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Orange Fizz. We always love when you leave reviews and you subscribe because we try to get out content as much and as fast and as well as possible. We try to do it well. We try to do it right, and we hope you enjoy all the content we put out. A great show today. Damien Sordelet from the Lynchburg News in Advance. I thought he had some really interesting things to say. We're going to post that online as well. And if you like the thing we were talking about with the most important players, that's a series online. We'll continue to roll that out as the week goes along. Next week, we'll have number two and we'll have number one. But folks, right now, things look good. I mean, there's really no other way to talk about it. Syracuse football looks strong. There's been no major injuries in camp. Now, Ed Hendricks seems like that could be a pretty major injury. But again, wide receiver is a place that Syracuse can take a hit. Offensive line, Sam Heckel is not. Now, we don't have details on that. We hope it's nothing serious. We have no reason to believe that it is serious, but it is an undisclosed injury. So it's not like, you know, he's, you know, I don't know. Maybe they would say, no matter what it is, undisclosed. But at this point in the game, we've got nothing to report there. So this Syracuse team, it's trending in the right direction. Camp is looking really good. Everything looking good. Tristan Jackson, Courtney Jackson, those are the two receivers to me, based on talking to people that have been at the practice and watching some of the clips myself, they've looked good. Looked really strong. The buzz feels good. Dino Babers feels so comfortable with this team that he went to see his mom's 80th birthday party. He was there, standing behind her. It's all online. It's great stuff. 
I don't think he would have done that if he didn't feel like his team's in a really good spot. Now, that's really reading into things. I get it. But, man, it just feels like this team is firing on all cylinders right now. First game is coming up August 31st against Liberty. It was great talking to Damian about that team. Feel good about it. But it's going to be a fun game. He said some Syracuse fans headed down there. I'll be down there. If you want to go, I think you should look into it. It's really an easy drive. Take 81, get off a little bit, and you're in Lynchburg, Virginia. A little bit. It's like a six-hour journey, but still. It's a lot to like about that matchup. Debut of a newly renovated stadium. It'll be a raucous crowd, and Syracuse hopes to get off to a 1-0 start. When we talk to you next week, we'll be a week closer to Syracuse football. It's that time of year, folks. Thanks for joining us. My name is Jonathan Hoppy. I'll be back later. Make sure to check out all of our content at orangefizz.net. Have a great day, everybody.